What's popping, people? Welcome back to Sunday School. We're continuing to read through the book of Romans. And as I mentioned in the last episode of our Bible study, we've reached a pivotal point in the book of Romans where we went from talking about salvation to talking about now that we're saved, what do we do next? So from chapter 8 onwards, that's what we're on, we're on chapter 8 right now, we're going to be focusing on what does a saved person do? So this isn't about how to get saved. If you want to know how do I get justified in the eyes of God? How do I get forgiveness? If you want to know about that, watch the previous episodes covering one through seven. In the last episode, we covered chapter eight, verse one through 13. And we talked about how Christians who live in sin, someone who's saved, but is living in sin can face condemnation. Now, this isn't the type of condemnation like you're going to go to hell. You're going to lose your salvation. That's the whole reason we're saved in the first place because we're sinners that are going to hell and we need to be saved from hell. But Christians can face condemnation in another way. We can face condemnation in this life. If you live in sin as a Christian, bad things are going to happen to you. As it says in Hebrews 12, 6, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son who he receives. If you endure the chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he who the father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards, not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now in Hebrews, he goes a little bit more in depth into this chastening, but chastening is basically like when you as a kid try to stick a fork into the electrical outlet and then you get beat by your mom or something because you almost just killed yourself. So God punishes us when we sin in this life. He makes bad things happen to us. Like we might lose our job. We might come into financial trouble. We might have a house burned down. We might get sick. But these things happen to us so that we can grow and become better. And as he talked about there, God doesn't punish us randomly. He only punishes us for our profit. He's not going to abuse us like maybe our real in the world, our fleshly parents have. He's only going to hurt us if we're in sin and he's going to relent as soon as we repent. For as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. As a Christian, as I've talked about many times in this series, you are adopted by God. The reason we say 
Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The reason why we say our Father is because God has literally adopted you as his son. So the way God deals with us as Christians is the same way that a father would deal with their son. Sometimes that's going to be chastening, that's going to be punishment, but many times that's going to be with great love, with great closeness, with great trust. You can actually trust God. God actually loves you. Right, we're not estranged from God. We have a close relationship with God. We, you might not realize that, but if you were to ask anything from God, if you were to pray to God for anything, God will answer you because he loves you. You might ask, you know, what does it mean to be the son of God? Well, it says it right here. If we are the children of God, this verse 17, then we are heirs of God, joint heirs with God. Jesus Christ. That's what it says. It says that you are the son of God just as much as Jesus is the son of God. You are the daughter of God just as much as Jesus is the son of God if you're a woman. And in the new earth, in the new earth that God's going to create after he destroys this old one, we will have the same type of status with God, the same kind of relationship with the father that Jesus has with the father, the same kind of closeness. And even in this day now, we have that same kind of closeness. But there is a condition here. If so be that we suffer with him. So we're going to get to partake in the glory. We're going to get to partake in the love, in the power that Jesus has in heaven right now. But it comes with one cost, and that cost is that we suffer with Jesus. Now, some might say that, that contradicts faith alone salvation. This whole time, this whole series, I've been going on and on about how our salvation does not come through our own actions. It doesn't come from you being a good person. It comes from Jesus being a good person. So to say that we need to suffer with Jesus, that we need to suffer the same way Jesus did, is that adding works to our salvation? And the answer is no. The type of suffering he's talking about is not just any kind of suffering, but it's a particular kind of suffering here. He's talking about persecution. While it's not always the case, there are many times throughout history and there are going to be many times in the future where Christians are going to be persecuted for their faith. For example, the Apostle Paul, he had many assassination attempts on him. He was thrown into prison. And during his prison sentence, he was forced to be a gladiator in a coliseum where he had to fight against beasts, against bears, or against dogs in hand-to-hand -hand combat with a sword. Ultimately, the Apostle Paul was beheaded in 60 AD because he was a Christian and because people were offended by what he taught. This concept that we are not righteous enough to get to heaven on our own and we need a savior. 
And so I'm sure there were many times with Paul and with other Christians where he was asked to renounce his faith and say, this stuff about Jesus is all fake. Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. If you're a good person, you can go to heaven. And they promised him probably that if he said that, that he would be spared execution. He would be spared being sent in to fight the lion. He would be spared his prison sentence. He'd be set free. But throughout it all, Paul did not renounce his faith. And so as a Christian, you might be expected by your loved ones. You might be expected by the government. You might be expected by other Christians who disagree with sola fide, that disagree with the gospel, that disagree with Jesus rising from the dead. They might ask you to renounce your faith or to convert to another faith. A Muslim might ask you to denounce your Christianity and become a Muslim. But of course, we are saved by grace through faith, through our faith. We receive salvation when we trust in Jesus. And so we have to suffer with Jesus when persecution comes. We have to suffer with him and not lose hope, not lose faith. And if we do that, we will partake in the inheritance. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. He says that the sufferings that we go through now, even, you know, the suffering that we experience, like right now it's freezing cold and I should probably go put a jacket on. But the sufferings now and the sufferings that we face in persecution, they are not worthy to be compared to the future glory. See, a lot of Christians have a misconception about what heaven's going to be like, what the future is going to be like. See, people think that the afterlife is going to be like this you know, thing up in the clouds. We're going to be up in the clouds with wings and a halo. We're going to be playing the harp. It's going to be like some big church service or something, but that's not what the afterlife's going to be like. The afterlife, what Christianity promises is so much better than anything you could possibly imagine. It's so much better than anything that any other religion promises. Listen to this. This is Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, John's the writer of the book of Revelations, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death, neither sorrow, 
nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. What Christianity teaches is that one day, everyone who put their faith in Christ is going to rise from their graves on a new earth, a redeemed earth, an earth where there is no death, where sorrow is no more, and where God will personally wipe away the tears from your eyes with his own hands. And the creatures, right? He's talking about the creatures here. He's talking about the animals, the birds, the trees. Right now, they're subject to vanity. Their life is very short. You know, a dog only lives maybe 10 years or less. A squirrel only lives like three years. A bee only lives for about like a few weeks from what I understand. They're subject to vanity. Their life is meaningless. They're isn't much to it but in the future the animals the insects the birds the bees they'll have eternal life too they'll be free from the suffering that they have to deal with they they won't be hunted anymore the lion is going to lay down with the gazelle and even we ourselves we're waiting for the adoption we're waiting for this future we groan right now you may have aches and pains you might have a terrible cough like i do where you can barely function because you can't breathe sometimes you might be going through some kind of suffering you may have lost a child but the fact is that so long as we keep our hope in Jesus, that there will come a day when all that suffering, when all the pain, when all the death ends, when death itself is put to death. And one day, a long time from now, this life that we had on earth and all the sufferings that we've had will just be a faint memory. And one day we may even forget it because we just have so much joy in the present for we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man sees why does he yet hope for but if we hope in what we see not then we do with patience wait for it see as christians we are hoping for something in the future there's a hope that we have in the future but we do not have it right now. We can't see it right now. Just like how I was talking about in the last episode, God says that we're in the spirit, but we can't see it. We feel like we're still in the flesh. God says we're not sinners anymore, but we feel like we're still sinners. It's something we can't see, but we have to have faith in it. But our faith is not blind faith. There's so much evidence that what we are hoping in is true, that it is real, and that it is coming. And that evidence is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reason that Jesus came back to life after being buried in the ground three days, like how the Easter narrative goes, is to prove to us that there really is an afterlife, that this huge, beautiful thing that we're promised really is coming but we have to maintain our hope we have to maintain our faith and if you have faith if you really believe then you can make it through all of the suffering in this life all the persecution so i feel like this episode is going to be a little bit short but i hope you guys appreciated this 
Thanks for watching. Make sure you like the video so this gets spread to more people and more people can hear the beautiful, the beautiful message of God. So that's all. Thanks for watching. See you next time.